real hard. <laughs> No, you don't have to adjust your headphones or your speakers. This is Jackman Radio. I'm Michael Jackman, one of your hosts. I'm Eric Jackman, and that is one of my favorite rap songs by Mr. Snoop D-O-double-G. Uh, love Snoop Dogg. Watched him on Howard Stern the other night. Just killed it. Um, keeps it real, man. Love that song. What about his new moniker, Snoop Lion? Snoop Lion, uh, I don't prescribe too much to that. I watched the documentary Reincarnated and uh, didn't do a whole lot for me. Anyways, speaking of Snoop Dogg, we have a very <laughs> special guest live in the studio tonight um, from California. He's made the trek across country just to be here. Um, just to come here. He's not doing anything else. Nope. He uh, wanted to come directly to Jaffrey, New Hampshire and be on our uh, Podunk podcast. <laughs> Anyways, we have a uh, filmmaker and friend of mine for going on uh, almost 10 years now, Dylan Avery. Dylan, hey, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm tired. But I'm, I'm waking up. I'm slowly becoming human. Thanks for coming and, and coming on the podcast. And mm. uh, To give you a little bit of an idea of what Dylan's been up to, uh, I believe last night he had to sleep in a car because of a uh, precarious weather situation yeah. up here in the Northeast. Precarious road conditions indeed. Um, <clears throat> we're shooting some interviews in Rochester, which is upstate New York, uh, like about an hour away from Buffalo. Um <clears throat> And I had something I had to do in Unadilla, which is, ironically, a half hour away from my hometown. Uh, I had an interview scheduled with retired Philadelphia Police Captain Ray Lewis. Um, I was really excited about this interview. I've been looking forward to it to a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, made like a five-hour, 40-mile-per-hour trek on the highways from uh, Rochester down to Unadilla just to make it to Unadilla and to barely be able to make it off the freeway without sliding all over the place and then to pull up to River Road where I need to turn onto to start my trek towards Ray Lewis's house and the roads are completely snowed in. This is what you do for your art. This is how people suffer for their art right here. And, uh, let's pr- provide a, a little background about why Dylan is out interviewing people. Um, he's a filmmaker, and right now he's working on his latest film, which is entitled Black and Blue, which deals with uh, just, you know, basically as, as long as we've been a country, there's been injustice. Uh, but up in, you know, recently with police brutality and the treatment of people in inner cities, well, not just inner cities, Dylan, but all over. And minorities really. across the country and... and well, not just minorities, but also white people now, too. You know, and I Everybody. think that's, that's kind of like what I'm hoping to portray in this film is that it is, it's no longer... Well, while the militarization racism, of the police? Yeah, and like while, it's, while racism does play into it in situations like Ferguson, uh, you know, white people aren't safe now from the police either. 
So, you know, and I think that's why, you know, I think white people are starting to talk about this because they are realizing that it's no longer just right. the blacks. This isn't an isolated thing that's just an issue for black people. Yeah, this it's is, like it, it really This could, is an American issue. Yeah, you could be next. So. so your central thesis of black and blue, if you had to describe it, would that pretty much just be what you just said? More or less. Um, you know, I went into it with, uh, I don't want to say a vague concept, but just the idea of I'm going to make a film about police brutality, you know, but like I... I knew that it wasn't just going to be about brutality, but at the same time, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to cover. You know, like I knew I wanted cases to follow. I knew I wanted there to be like, you know, stories for people. No to lack of those. In. Yeah. So it uh, it was it was really interesting because it all just kind of it just snowballed. You know, I guess in a similar vein that Loose Change did because I just kind of. I went to this rally for Kelly Thomas. I met an eyewitness to another shooting in L.A. I went to the candlelight vigil for that person. I met all the major kind of players, uh, uh, the major family members, uh, major family members from L.A., uh, people who have been killed by police, and it just kind of took off from there. I started reaching out, uh, started seeing stories pop up online. George Thompson out in Fall River, a guy arrested for simply filming a police officer. Wow. Um, one thing just kind of led to another, and before I knew it, I was, you know, on the East Coast interviewing people, and um, it's tough, you know, because, you know, I'm one person with no budget, so, I'll, well, I'd like to fly to all these cities and oh, interview sure. all these people and sure. cover all these cases. I really have to kind of, like, pick and choose, so to speak, and even now, as I sit down and prepare to finally edit this film after a year of shooting, uh, I'm wondering who's going to be in and who isn't. So. Yeah, just hours and hours of footage and, and, and stories from all across the country. Yeah, there's a lot. And I, I still have <clears throat> at least like a half hour, 45 minutes of film that, you know, I'm going to be shooting for over the next couple months. Um, it's going to be really hard. Uh, not not like, it's not going to be difficult to edit. It's going to be difficult to not use things, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because I have gotten so much stuff and I have met so many people and followed cases as much as humanly possible. Um, but that's the good thing about, you know, the world we live in now in terms of media, you know, it's great, uh, deleted scenes, it's great stuff to put on YouTube, oh, yeah. it's promotional material, uh, it's all kind of stuff, so. You can do, like, Black, uh, Black and Blue 2.0 or yeah, 1.5, well, like, I'm, Jackass 2.5. Okay, I'm trying to have just one edition of this film. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so. And, and then a little uh, history on that, that comment, um, Dylan mentioned, you mentioned Loose Change, um, that was Dylan's, uh, really first film that kind of, um, put him in the spotlight. Uh, the, the very original Loose Change came out in 2005, I believe. Yeah, first two editions came out in 2005. First edition, April 13th, 2005. Second edition, December 18th. Okay. But it was really Loose Change second edition that really got this thing. Yeah, so for, for a lot of people, you know, Loose Change came out in 2006 and is just the one film. Uh, right. Which, it, you know, makes sense. Second, second edition is what a lot of people saw and, 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 and caused them to question the events of 9-11. It's the one that went supernova. This is the first internet uh, viral sensation, folks. Vanity Fair said so. But do, but, do, do you want to, Dylan, in your own words, kind of talk about what Loose Change means to you now and maybe what you were trying to say then and just kind of set the record straight on that because it is a very controversial film, obviously. Yeah. And um, millions of views all over the world. I mean, I, I, I would certainly agree with the Vanity Fair article that this is the first internet blockbuster um, because... The, <laughs> You had, you know, Japanese parliament, British parliament. I mean, this this really was all over the world. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> sure was. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, what did, you know, what did it, what is it, uh, what were you trying to say back then and, and, and now, you know, 10 years later, what is it, you know, looking back, what does it mean to you? 
it's it's still pretty much the same thing is that we were lied to and we were never really as a nation I think we never really took the time to stop and have a conversation about why something like this would have happened um, which for me at the time I think that's what I was looking forward to when I was like 18 years old 9/11 happened um, you know I wanted to I, I was really hoping because you know I was I was pretty green to the world I didn't really know like where we were in the world like in terms of like bases that we had or like people we had pissed off um so for me i wanted to know who we'd pissed off you know i wanted to know why someone would want to fly airplanes into our buildings that to me was the immediate uh not even visceral reaction but that was the first thing i wanted to know it wasn't a reaction of of anger or retribution or anything like that it was just all right well i want to know why this happened um and ten years later, I still want to know why it happened. You yeah. know, I, like I don't, yeah. you know, ten years after the release of Loose Change, anyway, um, you know, coming on the fourteenth anniversary of nine eleven, and you know, like people have the audacity to, you know, tell us to get over nine eleven and stop talking about it. But I mean, I'll stop talking about nine eleven when politicians stop using it. Yes. You know, and when we stop leaning on point. it for right. every single decision that we are now making, not every single, but I mean, well, it's always, it always comes back to that. It, it's like, well, we're justification. Yeah. We're still right. in the post nine 11 world. And, yeah. you know, thankfully Obama doesn't use it nearly as much as Bush did. Um, right. ISIS nine 11, you know, it always, ISIS, everything. yeah. Nine 11 part two, you know, so I, you know, don't even get me started on ISIS cause that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty much the same, you know. Like, there's a lot of things that people weren't aware of, things that were never properly addressed, and a lot of those things are still remaining to this day, uh, which to me is telling, you know. And like everyone's all, you know, the popular mechanics and the 9/11 Commission, they 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 debunked everything and they covered everything. No, they didn't. Don't stop stop lying to yourself and stop lying to me. Yeah, you know? no, that, that's that's a really good point. The 9/11 Commission was essentially a bipartisan whitewash. Yeah. Uh, when you have people saying, oh, but it was bipartisan, well, that doesn't mean anything because one of the co-chairs of the 9-11 Commission was a Democrat named Lee Hamilton, who's actually really close with Dick Cheney. Hmm. So if you're investigating... It's a bipartisan cover-up. If you're investigating your friend and you find something that's maybe uh, a little unbecoming. incriminating or unbecoming, it's like Copland, you know, with Sylvester Stallone. You know, are you going to kind of gloss over or are you going to do the right <laughs> thing and bring him down to City Hall? And in that case, they did not and, do the, And now, this documentary, Dylan, took you all over the world. I, I would just like to hear some of your best experiences and your worst experiences related to Loose Change. Oh, man. I know it's kind of broad, but... Not even broad, it's just... It's, it's, it's interesting. It's going to take a minute to think about. Sure, um, that's fine. I mean, yeah, we we hit a lot of campuses, you know. We, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, there's like every screening, no matter like how much everything tried to be lined up and taken care of ahead of time there was always a problem and you know it's funny we had a screening at Princeton of all fucking places and that was probably like, the absolute worst screening we had because like they had like no sound system they had like pretty much nothing figured out except for that they had a little portable DVD player and a projector so at Princeton? at Princeton yeah well, the yeah, had a recruiting room next to where your screening was going to be <laughs> the Ivy League Princeton huh? Yeah, I think we had our shit together in Keene a lot better than Princeton. Uh, I think you did. That's I think sounds a like. lot of people did. And you know, it's it's <laughs> not really the fault of Princeton so much as the kids that were organizing it. But come on, man, you're Princeton, so <laughs> yeah, you got a rep, rep better than that. You got a rep, man. But um, it you know it's just it's par for the course. And you know, every screening there's always an issue. The sound doesn't work right, or you know they can't get you know the DVD playing or whatever. You know, it's always some kind of issue. But. Um, it was fun. You know, it was a lot of fun. I mean... I mean, not only that, you met some cool people because of, you know, 
yeah, things change. I, yeah, and you know, I I didn't just meet celebrities. I met people like you guys, you know, and like that's, that's very true. Yeah, like that's the thing about the movement, you know, like I I never like talked to a, like a debunker and or or like someone who like told me I was a piece of shit or that I was wrong, you know, you know, like I never like looked into this person or like we ever had a conversation. I was like, yeah, you know, this is a cool person, you know, which isn't to say that they weren't, but um. I met some really cool people because of that film. You know, people like I'm still friends with. The whole reason I'm out here is because Dave Cahill flew me out. So I could, you know, I shot some videos for him because he was getting the old band together for a night and wanted to do some other stuff over the weekend. So I was like, I'll film it if you fly me out. Sure. Because I told him, I was like, I got some stuff I want to do for Black and Blue. There's this conference in D.C. that I was uh, present for, um, conference of a bunch of ex-law enforcement, uh, meeting with Congresswoman Sheila Lee. That was pretty exciting. Um and that's interesting, you know, what what the difference 10 years makes is, you know, a loose change. I was making it in my basement by myself. Um, sure. Well, you know, on it's a okay. laptop. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, second edition, it was a very nice basement apartment. I will <laughs> clarify that, that I was paying for. It was not my mother's. It just happened to be a basement <laughs> yeah, in the house. Yeah, debunkers, hear that out. Not his mother's. Hear that out. Not my mother's basement. A very nice basement apartment in Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, um, yeah, Silver Spring. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, and then, you know, Schooly moved in, and then... The rest is history. That's where the beats came from. That's where the beats came from. Because before it was Beastie Boys and DJ Shadow and things that I never would have had rights to. Um, And then, you know, Schoolie moved in and I was like, oh, look at this. Yeah, we we all have had um, some interesting experiences because of 9-11 and because of our desire to learn more about the day and because of our disbelief of what our government told us about it. And um, for Mike and I, we were part of a student group um, with our friend Justin who basically, because of our access in the New Hampshire primary to every presidential candidate, we would go to Democratic events, we'd go to Republican events, dressed really nicely in suits, and uh, this is when YouTube was really just, you know, blowing up for activism, and we call it truth bombing or truth squatting. Truth squatting. And we'd have a really well-researched and prepared question written up, and we'd go to these events with a, with a couple of guys to film, one guy to do sound or just film, and uh, we would get the sack, the sand, to go up to the candidate and say, hey... You know, this, this, blah, 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 about 9-11. Would you support a new investigation? And there's a video of, of Elds with, with Obama. Yeah, Justin State. Martell talking to Obama. Yep. Asking, would you know, would you stand with Dennis Kucinich and Ron Paul advocating for a new investigation? And Obama was like, well, well, I, I understand there's a whole wide range of issues that you've raised, but I'm not entirely confident that uh, that's the case. Right. And that was his response. So meanwhile, everyone else is just throwing, in our opinion, you know, our young, radical, you know, uh, New Hampshire opinion, throwing softballs at these candidates. And we, we want to get all of these candidates on record about 9-11 and about if they get into office, what are they going to do about all the, all the problems with uh, the official story? And everything that came after 9-11. And, and I think um, segueing into um, police brutality and... and uh, authority yeah. thinking they Mil- have militarization of our country thinking they have the right to treat people a certain way and view Americans almost as enemy combatants and um, as the enemy I mean after they're shutting these wars down in the Middle East where's all that equipment going you know is that is, that, ISIS. is it's, that something you're going to uh, it's, it's going to ISIS you're coming gonna, right back here we've got the Bearcat and um, Keen that we talk about well anyways uh, Black and Blue we're, we're talking about Dylan Avery's new uh, documentary that he's currently shooting why don't we uh, go ahead and play um Play the teaser trailer from Black and Blue. And when did this come out, Dylan, this teaser? This came out in September. Okay, September. And uh, let's have it. All right, let's information received that two male Negroes on motorbikes with walkie-talkies in the vicinity of 5900 Brock South Avalon. Two male Negroes on walkie-talkies 5900 Brock South Avalon. And so 
that time period right there is, is a very critical period uh, looking back at Watts. And here we are in the year 2014. Okay, talking about Michael Brown here a couple days ago. I mean, has anything really changed? So law enforcement is, is one of those things where, where we need to humble ourselves, okay, cops. They need to realize that they are serving the people. It's not about they got a badge, that they got a gun, or that they can put you in jail and there's nothing you can do about it, okay? That is what they would love for you to believe, that they can dominate you. There's a war going on in the streets A war too heavy even for the police Throw the train, can't ask, catch those thieves Then release murderers to the streets On a short leaf so they can do it again Plus anonymous, never go back in What was justice? I guess nothing's changed since we traded barbers for Jesus Jesus, we need no other reason to negate the cops this season Alright, so uh, there was a lot of imagery to that music Do you want to talk about some of the imagery that maybe uh, And we're we're going to put the link up to this uh, teaser on the uh, Facebook page and and uh, for people to see. But what was going on um, af- after that interview with some of it's the It's a music. great song. I like that song. Yeah, and the funny thing about that song is um, <clears throat> I had gone on Abby Martin's show, uh, Breaking the Set, Rest in Peace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what she's going to do next. Wait, it's uh, done? Yeah. yeah, it's done. No shit, as of when? Uh, as last of week. This last week. Oh, fuck. February was the last month. They yeah, get rid of all the good shows on our team, She's man. going back to uh, Media Roots, I think. And, you know, I think she got tired of, you know, being associated with... Yeah. Not, not, not being associated... I don't want to speak for Abby, you know, but I think that, you know, having to deal with, oh, you're working for Russia. You're a mouthpiece you know, for Putin. You're a mouthpiece for right, Putin and sure. all that. You know, she's like, I'm tired of that. Even though she had great shows and great information that the mainstream media couldn't even wish to touch. No, she was great. So I um I was on the road uh, shooting interviews for Black and Blue, and she heard uh, through Tyrell and Tabitha from Buzzsaw, which I believe we'll be getting to... Um, Believe it. Time permitting. <laughs> time to bleed. What time. is time? We could argue about what time is. I got time to bleed. Um, but no, I had uh, I'd gone on Abby's show, you know, kind of talking about the film. I didn't even have, like, a trailer or anything, but she heard I was in town. So she's like, come on the show, talk about your film. So um, I did. And um, I my Facebook started blowing up with messages from people sending me music and songs and things like that. And, like, so many things that I don't even know if I've even had a chance to listen to. Um, but one person did get through, and his name was Tipo, and um, he's like, yeah, I saw you on Breaking the Set, I heard you were looking for music, um, you know, I, you're in Southern California, I'm in Southern California, um, you know, I'm in Long Beach, he's in Irvine, um, so he sent me some of his stuff, and it was really good, um, and then I started kind of poking through his SoundCloud, and I found that he had done some work with this guy, Elvis Foster. So then I found Elvis Foster's SoundCloud, and I started poking through his old songs, um, stuff that he hadn't done with Tipo, but, you know, things that were, like, years old, demos, things like that. And I found War on the Streets. Um, and it comes in, like, right there, you know, like, I didn't, like, fade it in or anything, so it comes in with that... But you uh but there's like there's a full like intro where it's like but you know it kinda like builds up a bit. But um but I just had that little bit off of SoundCloud and actually I reached out to him on like his Facebook and his SoundCloud. I was like, Hey man, I, I really like the song, you know, it's like I'm more you know, Tipo's the composer for the film and I was hoping to use this for the teaser and I didn't hear back from him, I didn't hear back from him, I was like 
Fuck it, I'm using it. <laughs> you just kind of went for it. I, yeah. I can't wait. I gotta. I'm using it. I'll see you in court. Fair use. <laughs> I'll see you in court, Elvis Foster Junior. <laughs> but um, no, he was he was super stoked. You know, he saw the teaser and he was like, "Yeah, man. You know, I'm I'm stoked to work on this project." And um, he gave me an awesome song for the closing credits. One that's like lights out, hits it out of the park. I mean, park. That, that's lights out. I mean, you got bullet shells raining. You got your interviews, man. That, that that's powerful. Yeah, well, that's that's not the one for the end credits. That's um, I think that's pretty yeah much something be, else. Yeah, that one's probably gonna just stay where it no, is. No, that's perfect for that. Yeah, and but this... uh, but the, I just wanted to say that like the thing about this project and you know the difficulty in editing it is that I'm really not gonna know who's gonna be in the film until I start putting this thing together because I've tried to cast a very wide net going into this. I've tried to interview as many people as I could, tried to you know tried to cover as many cases as I could. But at the end of the day, I have to make a film that comes in under two hours, and I also have to make a film that isn't depressing as shit. Because, I mean, I'm opening with a very... And that's the thing. I, I'm pretty sure I know what my opening uh, bit... Uh, I mean, I, I know the the start of the film, but, you know, the kind of, like, cold open, so to speak. Um, you know, I interviewed these two family members that I had been wanting to interview for a year, and when I finally got their interview, I was like... Damn, dude. We're going to open like, with this. That's this it. Yeah, that's it. That's the shot. That's the shot, exactly. So, you know, this this cold open's really going to grab people, I think, but I don't want, you know, I don't want them to be like, oh my God, this is going to be too intense for me. So I, I want them to know that there's going to be like a fine balance between, you know, the serious and the not so serious. You want to leave know, people with yeah. hope, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, when the, you know, and that being said, it's also a teaser trailer. And I don't right. want to get locked into too many things, no. and I don't want to like, but the other thing is, I want to kind of protect these people. Between now and when the film's done, you know, I want to like put out full names and stuff no. like that, so all of them can start getting harassed I mean, and things. That's going to be tough, Dylan, going into a situation where you're dealing with somebody whose relative, child, brother, family member was was just brutally killed like this. I mean, how do you how do you mentally prepare yourself to get a, a camera going and then to ask you just basically peeling peeling the scab off this wound that these people will never heal from? Well, you know, the interesting thing is a lot of them say that they feel better. Talking about it, yeah, like a lot of them have described it as therapeutic. Um, you know, this one guy, uh, Alzi, up in uh, up in um, Cape Cod, uh, Fall River area, who actually I think I'm gonna go see tomorrow and do like some follow up stuff with him. But um, he, uh, we did his sit down interview at his parents' house in his living room, and his parents were actually sitting on the couch, so. You know, for the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, he's kind of, like, watching his words, and he's, like, you know, saying F instead of fuck, and I kind of, like, stopped him. I was like, Alzi, just just be real, man. Let it know, man. Yeah, I, I want to I hear what happened. I want to hear what the officer called you. If he called you a nigger, I want to hear that. And he's like, all right. And I'm like, sure. And he's like, you know, it's funny because my parents haven't even heard any of this. You know, it's like I haven't really told my parents wow, any of really? what happened. So oh, he's man. like, he's sitting on camera and he's like spilling his guts and his parents are right there. And it's that's got to be intense. It's like it's, a whole family catharsis. Yeah, it's it's nuts, wow. man. And a lot of people have described it like that. Like Davey Vara, the guy I interviewed in Rochester yesterday, you know, and like this is a perfect example where like, you know, a lot of the people that I've interviewed, not a lot, but like a good chunk of them, you know, they have, they have an online presence. And, you know, like, people are aware of them, and they have... Supporting they already them. Have, yeah, and they, or, or, you know, already have judgments against them. So, for me, it's interesting to kind of, like, go in and, like, kind of bring up aspects of their personality that maybe kind of gets lost in the shuffle, or when they see all the angry Facebook posts about fuck the police. I mean, they don't, they don't really know where it's coming from. They just know right. that this guy's really angry at the cops. But, like, once you sit down and you talk to Dave and you hear about how, you know... Well, you his, get the story. 
you get the story and you get the motivation and you you understand like why these people are fighting for what they're fighting for and you don't you know that's the other thing is you don't really get that when you read the news articles about these people when you when you get the sound bites and oh, the blur. Angry. I, I was going to say you know there's nothing more truthful than just somebody in a room with a camera running you know because the media has an angle they have a slant you know and what you're doing here allows for these people to be human and to put the bull, the bullshit aside other people's agendas you know politicians agendas uh, you know people who want to want to never say anything bad about the cops or people who want to say that's just an angry black person or that's just an angry disenfranchised person you know this is one-on-one -on -one direct and I, I, I think um, has, has the potential to be really powerful yeah and that's it you know I'm interviewing all these people like in their living rooms you know it's yeah like well, it's usually, a comfortable environment yeah and well and that's it you know I want it to feel like they're kind of like visiting with these people and like you know stepping into their lives for a minute and then alright we're off to Boston you know alright we're yeah. off to New Orleans you know I mean, it's, you have a narrative that you want to tell with this too, right? I mean, you know, yeah. obviously, I don't think you're going to come at this um, just knowing you. You're going to try and be obviously fair, but you are trying to have a narrative and tell a story. But, um, you know, there's going to be people saying, oh, you're going after police officers and you're, you're doing this or you're doing that without maybe being fully informed on what you're trying to do. Well, and that's the beautiful thing is I have a cadre of ex-law enforcement behind me now. Not necessarily behind me, but, you know, I have Alex, I have Cheryl Ford Dorsey, I have Brian Bentley, I have all the cops that I just met with in D.C., I have the congresswoman we met with, I have a senator I'm about to meet with on the 5th. Um, I've got some people, you know, and, like, that's, I think, going to be the powerful thing about this film is we have people like Alex Salazar hanging out with people, you know, you know, going to rallies, like... When the non-indictment for Michael Brown came down, we hit the streets in L.A. that night. And there's a there's another clip. I don't know if you guys have the ability to link to it or whatever, but it's you know it follows Alex to Ferguson and back. So you know you've got this ex LAPD officer who, you know, was two years into the force when he got the shit kicked out of him for trying to help an old lady that was getting mugged or just a lady that was getting mugged. I don't remember if she was old or not, but. Alex wasn't even on duty, you know, he, um, and actually it's really, this has been the fascinating thing about it is like, you know, I can interview people for two hours and I can ask them, you know, what happened with this and tell, you know, tell me the story, but like, I'll ask, you know, it'll come up three months later and a new tidbit will come out or, you know, it's like, or he'll go into more detail. And then like just the other day when we were in Rochester and we were, um, we did this kind of like public access TV appearance, me, uh, Alex and Davey, um, and Alex, like, like really went into detail in the story, like, details that I hadn't heard before. He's like, yeah, you know, I was I was driving to get some things for my, you know, woman that was about to be my wife, and, you know, I was doing this and doing that, and, like, you know, like, talked about pulling out his gun and, like, all these things that I just, I hadn't gotten before, um, which, you know, it wasn't necessarily for not asking. You know, I asked him what happened, but at the same time, when you're doing your first interview with someone, it's like there's so much you got to talk about, you know? And like, I, I interviewed him when the sun was up and by the time the interview was done, the sun was down. Um, I could talk to these people forever. You know, I, I, I always hate hitting stop. You know, yeah. I, I always hate ending the interview because there's just something there's, else that hits you. Like, Oh, I should have asked him about this or yeah, or not even that. It's just like, it's, it's just, it's so, I don't even know if I want to use the word magical, but it's like, you know, you're, you're in these people's lives and they're like they're opening themselves up to you and you know i want to get all that you know like when i like when i interview someone i ask them like one question and i just wait for them to stop talking you know it's like unless i like I, unless i like 
you know, like a, a door slams in the background or just like they maybe like fumbled. And usually when people like fuck up, they like catch themselves and they're like, oh, hold, let me take that over again. But generally my interview style for this has been to just kind of like roll and just sit back and just let, let them tell talk. their story. Talk. And, you know, there, and, there, and there's been a couple of times where I was like, and I'm about to open my mouth to say a question and then they keep talking and then I get some gold, you know, and they just say, it's like, so I just, I just sit back, just let people talk. And then now, now your job is to try and condense that, and holy hell, and, you know, make it into not bite-sized but something palatable for your average viewer. Yeah, it's and that's tension span. That's the thing too. Like I did some challenge. Like, I did some early edits with that, like the opening three minutes with that family member, and I'm realizing like the the editing pace um, when there's B-roll and when when there's like you know establishing shots and things on screen, I can kind of like cut and condense and kind of like cut things down. But there's certain times where I'm just going to have to let shots, like, kind of breathe a little bit, you know. So, like, I'm hoping with the right kind of pace and the right kind of music, I can, you know, linger on a shot for, like, 10, 15 seconds, um, things like that. Um, just because you can't, you know, because I, I, I was just saying how, you know, the media always condenses these people down to sound bites. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to do the same thing in my edit. So I really want things to be able to kind of, like, breathe and evolve and, like, let them, like, tell the story. Um, the way Davey told the story yesterday about his dad committing suicide, you know, he's like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't start by saying, oh, you know, the, the day my dad killed himself, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, I was, you know, I was sitting in my living room. I was, you know, just like watching, you know, he's like, he started, it's a normal day. It's a normal he day. He tells the story. It's from a normal day. And then as the audience, like you can tell, like something's coming up, you know, but you don't really know what. And then, so it's, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's, it's nothing like anything I've ever put together before. So oh. once Black and Blue was released, um, are you going to re rely heavily on internet and grassroots, kind of similar to Loose Change? I, or, I mean, no, how, no. As this far is, as getting it out, I I would like to see this at Sundance, and I shouldn't even say that. Um, but you'll be submitting it to various I, I festivals, have, and I've got some people that want to see this. Not like nothing too crazy, but I have people sure, who can maybe who, who help me get into places because. Unfortunately, you know, the festival submission is such a crapshoot. Um, yeah. Because if, yeah. you, if you just send in your film blind, I mean, you could get... A yeah, and you're not blowing Robert Redford? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, whoever, <laughs> oh, who, whoever the person you need no, to blow... It, need to fillet at that particular yeah, who, time. Whoever yeah. you got to blow. Yeah. There's just, there's but so, in all seriousness, though, you do... Yeah, there's a lot of variables. You want to go And that's that the thing, like, so many fucking people are making movies now. Because, we, we, you know, you want a lot of people to see this because you're putting so much fucking effort into it and you're working yeah, so hard and it's just yeah. you... And there's not a million dollars behind you. Well, and basically, it's your, it's your passion, man. And it's your wanting to tell the story and get it out there and want to open up even more eyes. Because a lot of people are outraged, man, about, about brutality and the cops and all that shit in our country right now. But there's even so much more that people don't even have any idea about. Yeah. And, you're, and your movie can color in some of those areas. Well, you want to know what I've noticed is that the people who called us conspiracy theorists and the people who told me I was crazy, you know, there's even one on the teaser trailer. You can go on there right now and see it. Someone's like, good job, Dylan. 9-11 conspiracies are nonsense, but this looks to be a really good film. Uh, you reached him on that, though. Yeah, but but yeah. again, not for nothing. Like, you're someone hey. who's like, fucking loose change? Pfft, garbage. But, but I want to see this film. But he's not going to discard you, know you because of something you did 
prior and because of a disagreement you every, might have. Every filmmaker has something someone doesn't like and something someone loves. Well, and again, that's all, you know, everyone, like, that's the thing that just pisses me off to no one. It's like, oh, you, you turned your back on the movement and you turned your back on Loose no, You made a it's fucking like, movie, dude. I, I'm a fucking filmmaker. You a like, movie. what do you, like, yeah, you're not... is, is Kubrick, was Kubrick, like, yeah, Clockwork Orange in, like, fucking 94? I mean, yeah, like, people asked him about it, but, like, he was, like, <laughs> or, you know, but Full Metal Jack. It was a movie he made. It was a movie he made. He had to talk about it. I pigeonholed just for 9 11 for yeah. the rest of your life. And that's it. Well, because it's. And this movie, I think, has the potential to show people, like who just person you just mentioned, that Dylan Avery is way more than just loose change. Is actually somebody who's talented, who's passionate about making movies, and who actually can make movies. Well, why don't we uh, take a little break here, uh, lighten things down a little bit. We're going to play another another hip hop rap song while we're mm. we're kind of in a. Kind of in a hip hop yeah, mood we're tonight. Feel, we're feeling it. We're gonna go back to uh, 2005 from the Swisher House. Dr- dropped in 05. Swisher House label. It's Mike Jones, motherfucker. Yeah, this is Mike Jones. It's called Steel Tippin'. Still ballin' in the mix It's that six, six long dick Slim nigga stickin' your chick Pullin' tricks, lookin' slick At all times when I'm flippin' Bar sippin', car dippin' Grant wood, grain grippin' Still tippin' on four foes on four foes Tent, so you can't see up in my window These niggas don't understand me Cause I'm boss hog on candy Top down at Maxis With a big Glock 9 handy Pieced up, creased up, stand dressed to impress Big boss bell buckle Under my Mitchell and S Oh, Gucci shades up on my braids When I escalate When I'm riding spree well Sliding like an escapade I got it made, the big boss of the north Ain't shit changed, I still represent What's your house, huh? Wood grain, I'm gripping. Catch me lying, switching with the paint dripping. Turn your neck and your day ain't missing. Me and Slim, we ain't tripping. I'm figure flipping and sir sipping. Like do or die, I'm pole pimping. Car stop, rims keep spinning. I'm flipping, drop with invisible tops. Hoes bobble my drop, step out. I'm shaking the block with 418s. Candy green with 11 screens. My gasoline, always supreme. Got Dodo the brand with a pain of lean. It tastes grinding to be a king. It tastes grinding to be a king. First round, drop peace coming. Who is Mike Jones coming? Slap shining with the grill and Woman, slap shining with the grill and I'm Mike Jones, Ooh. Mike Jones, the one and only, you can't clone me. Got a lot of haters and a lot of homies, some friends and some phony. Back then, hoes didn't want me, now I'm hot, hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me, now I'm hot, hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me, now I'm hot, hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me, now I'm hot, hoes all on me. Champ. My chain light up like a lamp, cause now I'm back with the camp. I'm crawling similar to an ant, cause I'm low to the earth. People's feelings get hurt when they figure out what I'm worth. I got 84s poking out at the club, I'm showing out. I'm a player, ain't no doubt. Hoes wanna know what I'm about. Biggest diamonds off in my mouth. Princess cuts all in my chain. Wood grain all in my range. Dripping stains when I switch lanes. Switch the name, it's still the same. Switch the house or switch a blast. Mike Jones, he running the game and magnificent. 
about his cash. Michael Watts, he made me hot. Hard work to me to the top. G dash to me to the lot. He wrote a check and bought a drop. I got the internet going nuts. But T Ferris got my back, so now I'm holding my nuts. It's wow, wow, baby. What you know about me? I'm on that 59 South Lee, baby. Holla at me. Well, that was Still Tippin' by Mike Jones, featuring Slim Thug and Paul Wall from their 2000 effort, 2005 effort. And uh, when we were seniors in high school, we used to listen to that song for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, it's one of the one of the few rap songs I know most of the words to. And um, we, get a kick, entertained by we get a kick out of it. It's very entertaining. And uh, speaking of entertainment, uh, someone who was just a fine thespian... A spokesperson, eloquent Vulcan, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, I want to do a little, little dedication here to Leonard Nimoy, everyone's favorite Vulcan. Passed away, I believe, last week. Yeah. Fairly recently, within a few days. Two days yeah. ago. Yeah, he was uh, eighty. I think he was eighty-three. Eighty-three. Eighty-three was. Uh, his last film was actually Star Trek Into Darkness, where he actually. <laughs> so he is. <laughs> he actually fought. You, you probably could have gone ahead and not mentioned that. <laughs> we don't want to misperch his memory with Spock Prime. Yeah. What did he do other than Star Trek? Oh, man, he did a bunch of things. Oh, he directed Three Men and a Baby. Did he? I think so. Is that with Ted Danson and the cardboard cutout that everyone thought was a ghost? Dude, it's totally a ghost. It's a fucking cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. Debunked. It's not, it's, <laughs> Dylan, I'm going to debunk you right now on that, okay? You call yourself a filmmaker. Well, it's he, funny. I have pages and pages. If, if you look at the cardboard cutout, you can see clearly that it's colored pink on the inside. On the outside, it's brown, running completely contradictory to Newton's laws of physics. Oh, God. Here we go. Shit's getting weird. They, you know, they, okay. Let's preface this, okay? There was an urban legend. Was pretty good. No, there was, was an urban legend pretty, going pretty around that... That three men and a little baby. The movie. The movie with Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, some other Steve, ah, Steve Gutenberg, and someone else. I don't. Uh, Oswald can look it up. It escapes you right now. But he's, um, he's not going to look it up. In one of the scenes, you can you can see a kid shooting himself near a windowsill. When he's, in no, fact, he's, he's not shooting himself. He's just he's just there. It's a go- okay. It's the ghost of a kid who shot himself in an apartment. Oh right. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. it's kind of a big. Okay. It's kind of a big difference. Though, but that's like. not that's not what it is. You know what it is? Wait, is this like the, the like uh, the munchkin hanging itself? Yeah, yeah this is exactly <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the Tyrion fucking killed himself. See, these are the days before it, DVD when people had to like pause. You, you had to and, pause like, and you know, yeah. pause your VHS tape and adjust your tracking and <laughs> clean your heads and then maybe. That's like trying to wink it to bound with. Gina Gershon, you know, you had to... Yeah, if you pause at the wrong spot, it'd be all white and pixelated. Or it's a body double, and it's not really Gina Gershon. <laughs> like Showgirls. Anyways, we digress. Where do we go from Leonard Nimoy to fucking Showgirls? Sorry, Did Leonard. Did you see Leonard Nimoy's photography? I never saw Leonard Nimoy's photography. Leonard Nimoy was an artist, okay? First and foremost, I believe he was born in Dorchester, Massachusetts, or nearby, in 1931. Um, not long before or after William Shatner, his co-star, and his captain, 
in the original Star Trek series, which debuted in 1966. He was born in Canada. Almost 50 Canada. years ago. People Shat- don't realize Shatner's from Canada. Shatner's from Montreal. Why wouldn't he be from Canada? I like, am. Canadian was one of Shatner's. He's uh, definitely Canadian. Shatner's definitely Canadian. That's, uh, That's uh, Leonard uh, Nimoy's artwork, oh. which appears to be a bunch of... Is uh, that outside Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig? <laughs> A lot of large naked people forming a circle, clasping hands, doing a weird rain dance. Fat chicks. See, that's all he took pictures of fat chicks. Hey, you know what? Black and white, though. Spock's gonna do what Spock's gonna do. You know, I mean, the Spock character was. Uh, was it, Thanks, Aaron. It posed it posed a lot of a lot of uh, <laughs> Thanks for a that. lot of ethical and moral questions. The Spock character, but he also possessed a super strength. He gave you that Vulcan nerve pinch. He could either get you off or fucking get you out. Did you think you know behind the the uh, two by four sets? And everything, Shatner had a table, and he's like, Spock, give me the grip. <laughs> yeah, and Leonard Nimoy talks about in his uh, book, um, I Am Spock, which I have autographed. I will admit that. Oh, uh, do... but do you have an autographed copy of I Am Not Spock? I do not. Mm. I Am Not Spock was a reaction to the immediate Star Trek fame that propelled him and that he that he despised, much like the loose change recognition that you may have gotten <laughs> you know, and didn't want. So he wrote, I Am Not Spock. But I am Dylan Avery, which is from the website DylanAvery.com, folks. DylanAvery.com. He has a documentary about coffee. <laughs> he has all kinds of other projects on the horizon. Black and blue about police brutality, which relates to coffee. Cops like to drink coffee. There might be something in the coffee that makes him do all the crimes. We'll talk about that later. It's a shame you but, guys can't see this. But Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy actually discussed having cups brought to him filled, Dylan. filled with alcohol during the shooting of Star Trek. Wait, 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 and, say that again? Leonard, did I say Dylan Avery? <laughs> Leonard <laughs> Nimoy. Nimoy. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy actually did episodes of Star Trek, and he'd have an assistant bring him a cup of booze. And he would he'd fucking drink it and be shit faced and schnockered on the set oh, of man. Star Trek. I mean, awesome. how can you, dude? How can you deal with someone with like a fucking a piece of tubing taped onto their head with a little green spray, spray paint and not laugh? You got to be completely shit faced to believe in that. And William Shatner, the guy on the set who's saying, "I'm the boss." Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm in charge. Well, William Shatner trying to act. Everyone wants to just kill the guy. They're like, "Oh, he did a couple it's of like, fucking it's like, um, Will, Twilight Zone Twilight episodes. Zone episodes. He's horrible." But Will, he also did Leonard Nimoy we're not did wrong anymore. Yes, I know. But seriously, what did what what did William Shatner do before Star Trek? Yeah. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. He was he was a central casting Mike. Yeah, he was a central cast. But no, Leonard Nimoy uh, also did episodes of In Search of. Right? Yep. They had an episode about JFK. They had an episode about the pyramids. You know, he, he did Mission Impossible. They had one in search of Will Shatner's career. <laughs> yeah, after the animated series. <laughs> but that pissed uh, me off, Spock. No, Leonard Nimoy, you know, he could put that beard on and become evil Spock. It just, he sold it so well. And, um, you know, the, the, the newer films with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto as young Spock. He played Spock Prime and uh, did a great job. So we... We dedicate tonight's show to Leonard Nimoy and uh, his uh, his musical career uh, with uh, William Shatner. I when believe they did a cover of "If I Had a Hammer," which is pretty interesting. If you can dig that and check. When that do you out. think it got to a point where, man, he was just getting checks for playing, putting those ears on, and he was just like, you know what, fuck it, you know, I'll take it. I'm not going to fight it. Yeah, maybe. These, these checks, don't, you? These dude, checks e- don't bounce. Easiest check ever. Yeah, just dude, like, think about and it. And paid. Well, I mean, they, they 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 did start they did Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, the film, in like the eighties, right? The first one sucked. 80s. Let's be honest, the first one sucked. 
yeah. Star Trek the motion picture. They did Star Trek Two Rathacon. Spock has that death scene, which is so sad. You know, he's fucking melting, and Shatner's like, Aah! you know, he's trying to act. And they they have Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. <laughs> you know, there's a little glimmer of hope that he's on Genesis, and he's fucking. He's gonna come back, man. He's like an embryo. Then he's a baby. Then he's a fucking little Spock. He's, he's a, a star child. Spock. Yeah. And then he's he's fucking Spock. And he put some of it in bones. You know, he he did he did a mind meld with bones just before he died. Anyone who's a Star Trek fan will know what the fuck I'm talking about. What about but, anyone else? Ooh, fuck you. <laughs> We've completely digressed off topic. Um, Leonard Nimoy, Leonard, rest in peace. Leonard Nimoy, right, you know, another one bites the Leonard dust. Nimoy. Eric, you wanted to touch on uh, something a little bit more serious, maybe with our friends back in the USSR? Yeah, uh, the opposition leader in Russia killed on a bridge 400 meters from the, the Kremlin. Let's talk about that. Putin wasn't behind that. Or was he? Said no one. Crimea separatists do it. <laughs> they kill him with dart gun. The no. same people who shoot plane down. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck R- happened Russia. with that? Like, Russia. Just, just, just disappeared, you know, from the... <sighs> You know, we never really decided to get to the bottom well, no, of who was shot the first, down that plane. The first plane, Malaysian Air. Yeah, yeah, 370 and then 17. Right, yeah. so... Was... How the fuck do you lose a jumbo jet in this day and age? Like, you, I'm not even going to get into it. Yeah, a fucking no, I know. seven seven, not like a Cessna, you know, no, like no, it, you know, not like they this just fucking big... took off in a private plane. No, this is a seven seventy seven, which I think is like supposed to be one of the most more technologically advanced planes. And the Malaysia, you don't just don't lose know. these things. You don't just lose these. That's now, the point. Now, one yeah. of them so far has has they haven't found a shred. Nope. Right. Of it. They they From got last video summer, of the Russian shooting the one yeah, down. Yeah, the, the MH seventeen. I mean, there's you know you got wreckage and debris yeah, and that, bodies that, and, and the cover up of the crime scene. So it's yeah, like Shanksville. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's kind of like Shanksville over in Russia. Yeah, except yeah. You, you can actually see. Yeah, parts yeah. Of the there's plane. nothing there. In the first, and in the first uh, disappearing plane, nothing. Yeah, just nothing. And again, like nothing. I don't know. That's just weird. So this latest assass, this political assassination, that clearly a lot of people are pointing fingers at the Kremlin. They're they're blaming Putin. Yeah. What's the Russian government saying? What's Putin saying about? It? He's going to investigate. It's a terrible it. tragedy, and I will establish a commission to investigate. Yeah. Uh, that sounds familiar. Boris Nem- Nemtsov, opposition leader. Check him out. Interesting stuff. Political assassinations still happen. They don't happen as often in our country anymore. But uh, in Russia, alive and well, if you are a jackal or a contract killer or a over-anxious senior at Harvard waiting to be recruited, we have the job for you. <laughs> Meet me on the bridge. Bring the vodka. Man. Yeah, that's frightening. Unbelievable. Did you want to maybe ask Dylan Avery about Charlie Sheen? Oh yeah, yeah. You you um, when '06 '07 you hung out with Charlie Sheen? Something like that. You saw him. You yeah. met him a few times. We went over we, to his we, house. We, we hung. He made us popcorn, and we watched Second Edition in his private theater while some execs were there. Um, I don't know. It's it's a strange world out there, dude. That that world he lives in. Yeah. And that's it. Like the, the you got a I, glimpse of it, though, man. The that's... idea that we ever could have fit into that world is ludicrous, but the fact that it even happened is awesome. So there's that to be grateful for. Were the goddesses there? The goddess. Well, see, the goddesses were post Brooke. See, we actually met oh, Charlie when he was just getting together with Brooke. Oh, he hadn't um, thrown a lamp at her yet. So no, he, was, he had Man, he was he, like sedated. He yeah, he, they were getting along great. Uh, as far as we knew, I mean, we only saw him like fucking twice. But, and you know that's the thing like for the guy who's supposed to be narrating the film you know we met him like I said be once twice and one of those times was at a two and a half men taping 
So I never heard that one before. Pre Chuck Lorre. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do well, we no, have... Chuck Lorre was there, but pre blow up. Pre, pre uh, yeah, pre no, win. yeah, pre winning. Pre, oh, pre, 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 pre winning. He didn't start winning till 2011. Yeah. Well, you know, talk about dodging a bullet, man. Holy shit. Um, yeah, how did Charlie Sheen get away with all that? Somehow, uh, well, but came did, out profitable. But, but did he though? I mean, he went on a failed comedy tour. I'm yeah. sorry, Charlie, but you know. Yeah, Jeffrey Ross even said, <laughs> "One thing you're not, Charlie's a comedian." <laughs> He's like, "I roasted you at every show, and you took it." You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, William Shatner's like, "Charlie, you look terrible. You look like we went to high school together." <laughs> <laughs> right, so taping the two and a half men, Dylan. You, what was that like? You were at the was whole Angus T. Angus T. Angus T. Steak flower. Yeah, he yeah, was Angus here. T. Religion before he got all fucked up on some weird some religion new got, age religion. Got some of that two and a half men money. Yeah, there is there is a church. They out got there. him to renounce the show who's, and who's, renounce who's, acting. Who's Aaron, yeah, sitting, and give us all that two and a half men money. Sitting on not taxed, so it came from the studios and then went to another studio, a church. You know, it's like, awesome. So you're at the two and, and a half dude. men. Was um, the maid there? What was her name? Uh, Mona, um, Rose or something. Rhoda. Leonard Nemo was taking pictures of her. She's one of the, she's <laughs> one of the best characters. So you're at the two and a half men screening. Uh, yeah. Charlie Harper, aka Charlie Sheen, is there. Yeah. I mean, you were invited there by Charlie. Yeah, it was like, hey, you know, Charlie's doing a taping, and you know, he invited us all down. So you know, we show up to the lot, and we all have to check in our cell phones and all that shit. And uh, I actually still have the script, because um, like under my chair was one of the scripts um, printed on blue paper. Um, so I still have that episode. I remember uh, Anteaters. Uh, something about Anteaters is in the title. No, um, well, Anteaters. They're funny looking. There you go. That's the title of the fucking That's episode. It. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, there was some throwaway. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. Like, there, there, it yeah. wasn't all gold. Yeah, anything Ashton Kutcher was on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, we went and, you know, saw the episode be taped and all that. It was fun. And then met him out back, you know, at the end of the tape. Like, hey, Charlie. Hey, what's up? See you soon. <laughs> Can't wait to make this movie together. I don't know. It was, yeah, again, like to, to think that the movie was actually going to happen, you know, we were, I guess, maybe not all lying to ourselves per se, but it shouldn't have been too big of a shock when it didn't happen. But again, you have to wonder, I don't know. It's you know. yeah, but even stepping into that world for a few minutes, taking a oh look yeah, at and well, it, and again, it's like wow, yeah, and everything it's worked out exactly the it's way it ridiculous. should have. And at this know. time, uh, Dallas, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban was maybe going to come in, yeah, and be a financier. Yeah, or, well, you know, his company was going to distribute it. Charlie was going to narrate it, and you know, that was going to be because that because Bill O'Reilly fucking peeped. Pretty much, and you know, New York, New York Post, you know, and this and that, page six, and everything, yeah, page six. I don't know. But Charlie Sheen, we're big Charlie Sheen fans, regardless. Um, it's amazing he's still here. He's going to be 50 this year, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was banging down seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. Yeah, that's winning. I, no, winning. So that's that's Char, that's the Charlie Sheen story for you. And, Eric, uh, there was another uh, interview recently I think Dylan was part of with the uh, Tyrell Ventura and yeah, Sean show, Stone, all uh, of her stuff. Buzzsaw, know? their online show, which is really cool, Lit Media. They do, the Tabitha's their co-host. Yeah, and except, it's, uh, you know, now they're in D.C. working for RT. Are they? What, yeah. Buzzsaw or, or Tyrell uh, and Sean? Tyrell and, and Tabitha. Tabitha. Oh, they work I for think, RT I now. I think I'd heard that. So now it's just the Sean Stone show. Was that show any fun? I mean, how was that experience? It was fun. You know, was it was cool? a little fucking studio in like West Hollywood somewhere. Um, yeah, I get the sense it's like in a warehouse somewhere. It's just kind of, it's one set. It's behind a coffee house. 
that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, everything should be behind a coffee yeah, it house. Yeah, pretty easy to find. And a dispensary. Uh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, there's a, I think there's one down the block. Um, yeah, it was good. You know, I don't remember. I think uh, I think I met them. Yeah, I met Tyrell through Jonathan Elinoff, actually, mm-hmm. of all fucking people. Um, but who of core of corruption fame? Yes, for sir. those who do not know, yes, uh, he came to L.A. for this kind of big L.A. script pitch fest thingy yeah he's like a major party promoter now or something or, uh, or health guru party promoter he's i don't know if he's that former now film, he's former filmmaker i i don't know he yeah I, I, yeah i'm not gonna get into it but um uh yeah he uh he introduced you guys yeah he was in la you know for this like pitch fest and he was like hey you know i'm I'm in touch with uh, oliver stone's kid and jesse ventura's kid we're gonna go meet him for coffee and shit like that uh, so we did, and then kind of stayed in touch, and then we went on their show. And, um, it was pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. I liked it. Tyrell, you know, it's it can't be easy being the son of a famous person, and I think he's handled it uh, pretty well, considering um, it's just, you know, like we actually, I helped him shoot a short film, like right before he moved to D.C. Uh, for the RT gig, um, and I was like really looking forward to seeing it. Uh, pop up online I mean it wasn't anything like too highly produced it was pretty much you know too like like Vixia's you know so not even like DSLRs or anything um, but decent sound and you know good performances from the actors and like you know he had someone to score it and everything but and I asked him I was like yo man when's that when's episode one coming up and he's like oh yeah I'm just waiting on this and that but I don't think it'll ever see the light of day um, uh, I, I only bring that up because, you know, it's like he got some really good performances from these actors and it was a really promising first episode. So I don't know if maybe he just got discouraged or, you know, now just the RT thing is not necessarily more important, but that's just what take, what's taking up his time. Right. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, you, people go in different directions and do different things. Um, I was just kind of looking forward to sharing that and be like, oh, look what I shot with Tyrell, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Yeah. Well, I hope to see it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's very interesting. Yeah. Online media, oh, oh, yeah. media, which is our medium. Lots of content. Anyone who's listening is uh, hearing us from Jackman Radio on Facebook or our Podbean, uh, soon to be on iTunes, we hope. iTunes can be a little fickle at times. A little, with a little finicky. What they want. So we want to... Uh, I like to do a movie review every show, and uh, I think tonight we want to discuss the film Whiplash which won a Best Best Supporting supporting. Actor for J.K. Simmons, who plays this demonic, maniacal, animalistic, you know, band conductor, you know, in New York City at this top music school in the country. And uh, I watched the film for the first time the other night, and as a drummer, uh, I, I just... You know, I don't know... As a human being, you're just terrified. (laughs) Well, as a human being, first and foremost, but... If you have an instructor, you know, trying to get you to push it and play drums like that, would you even want to keep doing it? Like, why do you want to do it? Is it fun for you anymore? Um, you know, this movie makes you ask a lot of questions about music and about your relationships with other people and um, instructor versus student. And It's uh, a cool movie overall. Just different. It's something different for a change. It wasn't fucking Jason Bain, explosions and looking at, uh, you know, va- vamp- gay vampires fucking each other, you know? It, it was, was like, it was really good. It was gay inter- vampire explosions. Yeah, and, it, was, uh, it was actually really <laughs> interesting and something different, and I'm really glad Mikey rented it. It was. It was, a, it was very intense, though, nonetheless. I mean, and we're not even talking about high-octane 
action or you know anything um, explicit, but you know the performances were very, very uh, captivating, and I think we're gonna play a little clip from uh, Whiplash for our audience and. Uh, that's how we're going to uh, close this out this evening, unless anyone has anything else to say. No, I'm good. I want to thank you, Dylan Avery, for coming on our podcast and spending the time coming out here. It was great to see you. Thank you for everything. And his new movie is Black and Blue. He's working on it now. And uh, we really hope uh, the movie's very successful and everybody gets a chance to see it. And uh, Dylan, do you have any uh, final thoughts you want to leave us with or any plugs or anything? Yeah, uh, it's great to see you guys again. You know, it's been about three years. Last time I saw you, it was my uh, last cross-country trip in my little Honda Civic with my pit bull. Gordo! Gordito. So it's been good to see you guys again. Uh, You too, man. Both times it's been winter, so maybe next time it'll be summer. (laughs) Yeah, come up here during the summer, man. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with you, We actually have, we do have warm weather up here. I'm sure you do. I'm not lying. I'm sure you do. (laughs) But it, it was good to be here, good to be on the show. Good to talk with you guys, and yeah, I'm, uh, I, just in terms of black and blue, and just, you know, uh, getting out what I'm feeling at the moment, you know, uh, I'm humbled, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, and it's interesting, uh, to see where this is gonna lead, and, you know, cause right now it's, it's still, it's still an unknown, you know, the film is still this thing that I don't really know how it's gonna come together, and what's gonna come of it, and where all this effort, and time, and money is, you know, leading, um, so it's interesting. It's like this is the most interesting part of it is creating it and not really knowing where it's gonna go. Um, and I think that's another reason I've been procrastinating on editing because like I don't, I almost don't want to put this film together, you know? Because I yeah, I don't want to say I've had fun making it because you know like I've heard some, I've heard some really fucked up things and you know a lot of people have thrown some real pain and grief at me, but I've also you know, I've met some really awesome people. Again, like Loose Change, you know, it's like this film has brought some really interesting people into my life. And, you know, I, I also thankfully have the experience of Loose Change behind me where I'm going into it with, I think, a much more level head. And, you know, it's also, it's not, you know, not hanging out with a guy who's living out of his car with two cats and, you know, stashes his weed pipe before we leave the hotel room because he thinks the government is after him. You know, because like his I'm, weed's that good. Yeah, because they're that concerned about what oh, he's yeah. doing. You know, oh, yeah. it's just it's a different caliber of people that I'm hanging out this time around. Right. And it's it's refreshing too. It's like we didn't. You know, we got to meet with a congresswoman. I mean, you know, like that's huge. Other than Cynthia McKinney. Yeah, other than yeah. Cynthia McKinney, which, a, a current congresswoman. Current current congresswoman. Oh, this is yeah. this is the human condition. Yeah, but that's awesome, condition. Dylan. Dylan, you keep at it, man. Thank you. What, man. You know, Thank you. Thank whatever you, you do, man, I will be there watching it, supporting it, and telling everybody about it. Keep Thank at you. it, Dylan. Thank you, guys. Dylan Avery, everybody. All right, and this is Jackman Radio. We'll see you next time. Keep Jackman off. <laughs>